The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I hope that you are having a really great, great holiday season, no matter what holiday you're celebrating. And it gives me just a perfect opportunity to talk to you about gift giving. Think about this. What do we do with gifts? We give gifts not because somebody makes us give gifts, and hopefully not because somebody expects to get gifts. I would certainly hope also not because we expect to get something in return. But the real reason we give gifts is to celebrate whatever it is in that person that is so wonderful, so exciting, so dear to our hearts that we give gifts. And sometimes those gifts are material gifts. And and I have to chuckle here just a little bit. Sometimes my husband gives me software as a gift. (laughs) And my family doesn't totally understand that. But to me, that's that's a great gift. That's something I really enjoy. But there are other things other than software, other than socks, other than a My father always used to joke about getting his shirt and tie. One of the things that we give to people as a gift is our gift of self. All of you have experienced this in your own life. Somebody has given you themselves. And what do I mean by that? Well, if it's a married couple, that's pretty obvious. You're giving yourself to each other on a daily basis. But it might be a friend, it might be a teacher, it might be any of those people who, for one reason or another, have given you a gift for a lifetime. Now, just last evening, I was explaining to a friend of mine about how I learned to knit. And any of you who know me, you know I knit, okay? And I said it really started when I was a little girl. And it was not my mother. Actually, my mother couldn't knit at all. She had left me one day with a woman who actually was a registered nurse. And she took care of me for the afternoon while my mother apparently had some sort of important uh, appointment. And my mother bought plenty of toys, but I'm a kid who doesn't take me long to be bored with something. So... The woman who was my babysitter said to me, maybe you'd like to learn to knit. 
I was just a kid. But Dee gave me a gift that lasted a lifetime. I've been knitting ever since. So it's a wonderful opportunity during this gift-giving season to think about the kinds of gifts that we give to other people that are not necessarily the material gifts. Material gifts wear out, they go out of style, whatever. But what about those gifts that last a lifetime? I'd like to take the stance that the gift that lasts a lifetime is breastfeeding. Yes, unquestionably, it's a gift to your child, unquestionably. But also, it's a gift to yourself. It is truly the quintessential gift that keeps giving. So I'd like you to just think about that for a moment. Think about how important it is to give your baby this wonderful gift and how you keep giving that to him every day. And it is a gift that will last him a lifetime. Let's start, as they said in The Sound of Music, let's start from the very beginning, a very good place to start. That transition to motherhood for you and that transition to extrauterine life for your baby. What do I mean by that? I mean, what happens immediately after birth? Well, there's this whole rush of hormones, and those hormones are especially important to the baby's physical well-being as well as his emotional well-being, but also important for you in your transition to motherhood. I'm thinking, for example, of some of those love hormones. Oxytocin is known as the love hormone. You've heard me talk about oxytocin before. I've so many times, at least I think you have, I'm pretty sure you have, (laughs) I usually say it a lot, that oxytocin has three important roles in the childbearing cycle. Oxytocin is what is the primary hormone responsible for having an orgasm. Oxytocin is the primary uh, uh, hormone responsible for the contractions of labor. And finally, oxytocin is the hormone that is important for the milk ejection reflex. That love hormone is so important, and it's there, and it's very, very heightened immediately after birth and every time the baby suckles. So if you were wondering, will I have enough love this baby? The answer is absolutely. Not just because you birthed this baby, but because you're breastfeeding this baby. You are nursing him or nurturing him into life. 
What about prolactin? Prolactin is often known as the mothering hormone. How so? Well, let's look at that word. Pro meaning for and lactin meaning milk. So the mother has these high levels of prolactin after she gives birth. Prolactin generally makes mothers feel kind of calm, kind of lovely, kind of happy. And sometimes what you'll see is that the mother feels so relaxed that what does she do? She falls asleep and has a really good little sleep for herself. Now, how's that for a gift? If you've ever had a wonderful relaxing massage, you know how you feel afterwards. You have that wonderful relaxed feeling. That's kind of what prolactin does for you. I don't know about you, but man, I've paid some good money for massages. Prolactin, which happens with breastfeeding, is a great gift to yourself because you get to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the interaction. How about endorphins? Endorphins are enormously raised in the childbearing event and in breastfeeding. Endorphins are sort of those substances that make us feel good. If you've ever gotten on a treadmill or an elliptical machine or whatever it is you use at the gym, you know that after a while, when you've been exercising, what do you get? You get that rush or that high or whatever you want to call it. I know that I can start to feel when it happens to me. I'm on my elliptical machine and I just all of a sudden, I feel like I could take on the world and I'm happy, happy. Be happy. Those are, that's the result of endorphins. And by the way, it's also what happens why you feel the way you feel after you have a good sexual interaction. It's because of that wonderful ability to have that experience and then have those endorphins circulating. So these hormones are there for a reason. The hormones are there to help you to get through that period of time when you've got that transition for yourself and for your baby. You've got that calming effect, that throwback, if you will, to the hormonal influence. You've got a unique bond with your baby. And don't let anybody fool you. No matter how good of a mom you are, you simply do not have the same kind of bonding experience when you're formula feeding or bottle feeding your baby as you do when that baby is suckling at breast. If you didn't get it years ago, I just actually today picked up a copy of that classic book that Marshall Klaus and his partner John Kennel wrote along with Phyllis Kloss. And it's called Bonding, Building the Foundations of Secure Attachment and Independence. It's actually quite an old book, uh, but it's one that really helps you to fully understand that whole bonding period, uh, experience. So even if you have something stressful happen to you, 
And you have that fight-flight situation, which many of us encounter. And by the way, I don't think there's any question about it. That transition to parenthood, isn't that just like going from being a graduate student to being a full professor overnight? But when you have that time with your baby, it will be different. You will have much more of that relaxed feeling. And by the way, I think I've talked to you before about the importance of getting that baby to breast within the first hour. It's so, so important because of the release of those gastric hormones, which, by the way, the gastric hormones are sort of the opposite of those fight-flight hormones. But also, we know that a mother who breastfeeds within the first hour of uh, after giving birth will spend 100 minutes a day more time breastfeeding her baby than those who delay breastfeeding until later. So it's really important for you to know that and to know how your body works and how you are starting to have that gift of transitioning from being a pregnant person to being a mother with baby at breast. I'll give you a few minutes to just ponder those things and stay tuned for what we're going to talk about next. I'm going to talk about some more specific gifts that the baby gets from breastfeeding. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. 
By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining us just before this, uh, or actually during this holiday season. I always have sort of a like a three weeks of holiday because I start a little early and I have Christmas and shortly thereafter I have New Year's and then a week later after New Year's I have my wedding anniversary and so I always kind of have this extended holiday period which is really really fun. I hope you're having really really fun wherever you are and speaking of really really fun here's what's really fun for me. I really enjoy having comments and questions from you folks so please feel free to email me. Let me give you the email address. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will repeat that. It's radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will be happy to take your questions if you email me. I can't promise that I will read all of them on the air, but I will endeavor to get to some of them. And by the way, for any of you who are professionals listening to this program, I'd just like to remind you that I'll be giving my full-scale comprehensive course in sunny Orlando, great place to take the kids because they might possibly still be out of school in January. Let us know if you have any questions about that. We're here to help. So before the break, we were talking about gifts. And as we think about gifts, I'd like you to think about health in general. How many people have you heard who say, oh, you lost your job, you lost your house, you lost your whatever, but at least you have your health. And you've probably also heard people say that money won't buy good health. And I think that's probably mostly true. What I think is even more true is that the start of good health actually comes for free, okay? Breastfeeding is a gift that does not cost any money. Ooh, good thing. So let me talk to you a little bit about the good health gift that you can give your child. I want to start out by talking about otitis media. It's also known as a middle ear infection. Now, middle ear infections are common in children And it usually begins when the kid has an upper respiratory tract infection, you know, a cough and a cold, and their eustachian tube gets kind of plugged. And therefore, what happens is that the ear is invaded with germs. How common is this? A lot. Uh, The first 
uh, attack of middle ear infections in children under one age is about 44%. So the likelihood is that and, and I can't tell you how many people have told me, oh, my kid never got their first ear infection until after I weaned him. So instead of us accepting, oh, well, middle ear infections are common, everybody gets them, this is what kids get, I think we should say, yeah, they are common, but is that what kids are supposed to get? And if all of our children were breastfed, would we see that kind of statistic? Human milk contains immunoglobulins with antibody activity against those common bacteria such as Haemophilus influenzae and Streptococcus pneumoniae, the kinds of things that the baby might be exposed to. So then what's the difference between kids who are breastfed and those who are formula fed? Actually, you know, when children are exclusively breastfed for more than three to six months, One study actually reported that 28% of them, and another study said 45%, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, this was not percentage of kids, this was um, relative risk. It was a 28% or a 45% relative risk reduction in middle ear infections. But you might have not heard it carefully when I said the key word here is exclusive. Those children who were breastfed but got supplements of formula did not have this reduced likelihood of middle ear infections. So that's really important. Notice that I started and I said uh, exclusive breastfeeding and I also said three to six months. Now, do all studies show this? No, actually, no, they don't. But the well-done studies do show that exclusive breastfeeding has been associated with a significant reduction in the middle ear infections in childhood. What about atopic dermatitis? Well, first of all, what the heck is ectopic dermatitis? Uh, It's a skin problem that causes dry skin, um, rather significant itching, and then a red raised rash. And it's probably important for you to know that it doesn't get spread from person to person. And some people use the term atopic dermatitis and eczema as though they were the same term or synonymous. Actually, they're not synonymous, but uh, technically they're a little different. But if you recognize the word eczema, just kind of follow along with me. Uh, Atopic dermatitis is a common problem. It happens in about 20% of children. Again, the question is, yes, it does, but should it? There are many studies that have looked at at the possible relationship of breastfeeding to atopic dermatitis, and the studies show really some conflicting results. The good news is that we can explain why some studies show one thing and why some show another. There are some factors quite apart from breastfeeding, okay, quite apart from breastfeeding that make uh, a difference to the development of atopic dermatitis. Things like gender, socioeconomic status, uh, family history of atopy, um, parental smoking, and sometimes just if there's like furry animals, pets in the house. So what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about here is a meta-analysis. 
The, a meta-analysis of studies helps us to understand all of that because a meta-analysis is, in simple terms, um, it's a study of the studies. And what they looked at was in both developed countries and uh excuse me, in developed countries and found out that exclusive breastfeeding for at least three months was associated with a reduction in the risk of atopic dermatitis for those that were in the study. Okay, so we looked and we said, hmm, so kids have some protection against otitis media, that is middle ear infection, and atopic dermatitis. And what about gastrointestinal infections? Now, here's something that is just amazing to me. People think that diarrhea and gastrointestinal infections are somehow not in the United States, that somehow uh, if you live in the U.S., you're just like never going to have it. And that's just like not true, okay? Gastrointestinal infections are actually fairly common in infants and children, and the rate of disease in the United States is estimated to be about 1.1 episodes per person year in children who are less than five years old. Now, many studies have looked at whether breastfeeding has a protective effect on the development of GI gastrointestinal infections. Now, there's one thing we've known for sure. In both developed and developing countries, the risk of diarrhea in infants who did not receive their mother's milk was 3.5 to 4.9 times higher than infants who have been, get this one, ladies, and and, and men, (laughs) get this one, higher in infants who had been exclusively breastfed during the first six months of life. So again, you hear me singing the same song, several months and exclusive breastfeeding. Well, how's that possible? Well, uh, largely because the mother's milk contains what's known as secretory immunoglobulin A, or sometimes just abbreviated uh, SIGA, which is a sort of an antibody. And it also has oligosaccharides and lactoferrin and a whole other bunch of factors that I can barely pronounce and you can barely spell. And all of these protect the baby from various infections through a passive immunity. But it's not always really that straightforward. Socioeconomic status and child care variables, for example, uh, some parents leave their uh, take care of their babies at home. Others of them have them in daycare. And these are also important uh, factors that can kind of mess up the results of what are called observational studies. And before the 1950s, most of these studies were simply observational. However, we are getting better and better data, stronger and stronger, more well-controlled studies. And I think now that there is a fair amount of agreement that, in fact, breastfeeding does have a protective effect against these GI infections, but that protection does not last It lasts a little bit after the baby has been weaned, but not more than two months. Maybe that's the best way to explain that. So then, I've looked at uh, middle ear infections, atopic dermatitis, 
gastrointestinal um, infections. And when we come back, we're going to talk about lower respiratory tract diseases that result in hospitalization, a little bit about asthma, and we'll see if we can get past there. And if not, we'll take forward into the next section. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We're going to be right back on the other side of this break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzo. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. We were just talking about Uh, breastfeeding is a lifelong gift that you give to your child and to yourself, and that, in fact, it's true that money can't buy good health, but breastfeeding is priceless and real easy on your wallet. So then, I want to pick up with lower respiratory tract diseases that result in hospitalizations. So I'm talking here kind of like some fairly heavy-duty lower respiratory uh, infections. It is actually the most common medical problem among infants and children. And in the United States, 3% of all infants who are hospitalized um, are hospitalized with moderate to severe respiratory infections. Does breastfeeding help with this problem? Well, overall, there is a 72% reduction in the risk of hospitalization due to respiratory diseases in infants who are, get this, exclusively breastfed for how long? For at least four months compared to those who were formula fed. 
And hence, breastfeeding for four months or more is associated with a reduction in the risk of being hospitalized when that hospitalization is due to a lower respiratory tract infection. Here's another one that I get quite frequently. It's about asthma. Marie, do you think that asthma prevent that, that breastfeeding prevents asthma? Well, that's not quite the right question. And and then of course they go into it with, well, my kid was breastfed and she still has asthma and so forth and so on. So let me try to kind of break apart the studies for you and to understand what it is and what it all means. First of all, Asthma is a disorder that is accompanied by breathing difficulties, wheezing, coughing, and a production of thick mucus. There are a number of factors that seem to trigger asthma. Um, Foreign substances, for example, like tobacco smoke or irritants, uh, pollutants. But it can also be something like exercise that will trigger an episode or an infection and certainly an emotional stress. Now, um, interestingly, there has been a substantial increase in the prevalence of asthma reported in some countries during the second half of the 20th century. So you'd be well within your rights if you said to me, well, yeah, but Marie, don't you think there's just more people going to the doctor? And so if there's more people complaining of an illness, then there's going to be more of that illness. Well, yeah, I do believe that. But I would also say, look at what else happened in the later half of the 20th century. And that is, we moved more and more away from breastfeeding and more and more towards formula feeding. So let's look a little closer and let's ask Does breastfeeding protect against asthma? Notice the word I chose. I said, does it protect? I'm not saying prevent. It's really important that you understand the difference between protection and prevention. For example, um, if you're taking a hot pan out of the oven, you might put a pot holder or one of those oven mitts on your hand to protect your hand from getting burned. That will protect your hand from getting burned, but it doesn't prevent you from getting a burn, okay? You can still, you know, the glove can fall off or whatever, but it's not not prevention. So one of the biggest problems that we have in looking at studies about asthma is all of those other factors, okay? All of those other factors that mess up study results. Things like whether the parents smoke, for example. But another real issue is whether or not the baby was exclusively breastfed. Now, I distinctly remember when the Sears study came out, and I'm thinking that was like around 2000, 2001, somewhere around in there, because I was still fairly new at starting my newsletter. Now, this is not the Sears that you know. It's not William and Martha Sears who wrote the baby books, okay? This is another person by the name of Sears, and I'm sorry, I don't remember his first name. Um, But in that study that Sears and colleagues did, they said the babies in the study were exclusively breastfed, and then in their conclusions, they said that breastfeeding did not protect against asthma. But back up, because if you take the trouble to read the entire study, not just the abstract, if you read the entire study, which is what I did, you will see that the babies who were, quote, exclusively breastfed really weren't exclusively breastfed. I'm serious. I I was sitting, I remember 
waiting for a bus at the bus stop, reading that story. And I was like, wait a minute, there's got to be something wrong with this. And in about a half a sentence, what I found out was that those babies had gotten formula supplementation for the first few nights of life in the hospital. So then they might have been exclusively breastfed starting day four or five or whatever, but that doesn't make them exclusively breastfed babies. As a matter of fact, what you've really seen then is a baby who was exposed to an antigen. An antigen is a foreign substance that our bodies react to. The baby was exposed to that antigen in the most vulnerable days of his life, day one and day two, or maybe day three or even day four, but even so, those are the most vulnerable times, okay? So what's really happening is that the babies were exposed to formula at that time when they were the most vulnerable. So I don't think that you can really look at that as exclusive breastfeeding because it's really not. So bottom line is breastfeeding has been associated with a reduction in the risk of developing asthma. But again, notice that exclusive part. Now look, just to be clear, I'm a big fan of the idea that some breastfeeding, any breastfeeding, is better than no breastfeeding. I've, I've said that like one million times to a million mothers. I truly believe that. But when you hear that your baby is at less risk for developing whatever, whatever the disease or ailment is, remember that that might not really hold true if you haven't done exclusive breastfeeding for several months. Okay. So we've looked a little bit there at asthma. And and so, wait a minute. So you should say, so then, Marie, what's the bottom line? Well, bottom line is that breastfeeding has been associated with a reduction in the risk of asthma, but it is protection. It is not prevention. And in, so, in some cases, if you had some real experts, they would probably say yes, and it's also associated with the severity. That is, the baby might indeed have asthma, but it would have been a whole lot more severe if he had not been breastfed. Okay, so what about overweight and obesity? Overweight and obesity, which by the way are technically different, these two words seem to be on the lips of everybody in the U.S. lately. Being overweight or obese is a serious problem in the U.S. Yes, it's a problem in adulthood, no doubt about it. And I am here talking to you right this minute, and I'm overweight, and shame on me, I am. But, and, and so I'm part of those statistics on the fat adults, okay? But it's not just a problem of fat adults. It's also a matter of children who are overweight or obese. If you're interested, there are a ton of statistics on the... Um, CDC site, the Centers for Disease Control, and if you type into Google CDC obesity children, I will tell you, you will be blown away. I believe that childhood obesity, and I'm really speaking off the top of my head here because I don't have that stat in front of me, but I believe that obesity has um, tripled since the 80s. That's really pretty bad. So the question for us today then is, is there a difference between feeding method, breast or formula feeding, 
no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean a difference. I'm sorry. I take that back. Is there a relationship between feeding, breast or formula feeding, and being overweight or obese? This is a little bit difficult to answer because it's not just a matter of what, like, composition, okay? It's not just a matter of what the food is composed of, human milk or formula, okay? It's also a matter of how the food is delivered, breast versus bottle. We know that babies consume the fluids in a different way, whether they're suckling at the breast or whether they are um, kind of, I really hate to say they're just chugging it down from the bottle, but actually they do kind of chug it down. Uh, it also is a matter of food behaviors. Now, in theory, I usually tell parents that they need to be very careful when they're uh, formula feeding their baby with a bottle, that they need to not hurry the baby because babies shouldn't be hurried. doesn't matter whether they're uh, nursing or formula feeding. They need to be able to take their time, okay? But that notwithstanding, where I want to go with this here is helping you to realize that they take in that food. So anyway, it, it's, it's, this is not as straightforward as I'd like it to be. But it has long been known that infants who are breastfed differ in their growth patterns from those that are formula-fed. Formula-fed infants demonstrate higher weight and length gains compared to the breastfed infants. If you look at a systematic review of 19 studies in developed countries, hello, that would be us, we're in developed countries, and they concluded that by the age of 12 months, the cumulative difference in body weight amounted to approximately 400 grams less in breastfed infants, and those were the kids that were breastfeeding for nine months, by the way, compared with formula-fed infants by as much as 600 to 650 grams. Now, for those of you who are not as literate in um, the metric system, I'll quick translate that for you. 400 grams is, um, uh, it's about 14 ounces or so. And the 600 grams is about 21 ounces. Now, here's a direct quote from Ip and colleagues, and he concludes that findings from three systemic review and meta-analyses of good and moderate methodological quality suggest that a history of breastfeeding is associated with a risk in the reduction, uh, excuse me, uh, a reduction in the risk of obesity later in life. Just a word about high blood pressure. Um, there does seem to be some correlation between breastfeeding and high blood pressure later, uh, but it's not as exciting as you might want. It's really only just a small reduction in the systolic number. The systolic number is your top number. So if my blood pressure is uh, 110 over 80. If over 80, which I think is what it was the other day, then uh, the 110 is your systolic number. Does this really mean a lot? I, I don't really think it does. I will tell you, however, that the uh, information that is particularly important nowadays is on diabetes. And as you probably know, obesity kind of goes with diabetes. If you are 
overweight or obese, you are at higher risk for diabetes. So I don't want to go into that too much, but I do want to say that diabetes is a horrific disease. It it's sort of all-consuming in the sense that you've got to watch your diet, you've got to watch your exercise, you've got to be careful with um, how you clip your toenails because your circulation is not as good. You've got higher um, risk for, for instance, infections, any kind of infection, urinary tract infection, whatever, whatever. And so kind of where I want to go with that is I want to say that it's so important for you to understand that this is, is a significant disease, whether it's diabetes 1, type 1, excuse me, or diabetes type 2. Now, uh, one is the uh, insulin dependent versus the insulin resistant. But anyway, trust me, this is not the disease of choice. So you really want to look at, this is not something you ever want to have your child have. You don't want to wish that disease onto your worst enemy. So this relationship between breastfeeding and the development of obesity and diabetes is just huge. Before we close out this segment, I want to talk to you just a little bit about SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Again, I really wish that this information was clearer. I can only give you what I can what there is to give. But sudden infant death syndrome is the leading cause of mortality among infants aged 1 to 12 months in the United States. And one of the factors that is modifiable is whether or not you breastfeed. And the results from previously published studies have concluded that the overall risk of SIDS is twice as great twice as great for formula-fed infants compared with breastfed infants. So that is so huge that if you want to think about what can you do to reduce the chances of losing your child, think about that. Breastfeeding is the gift that keeps giving. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. You've been listening to Born to be Breastfed. We will be back right after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuta. Welcome back to Breast... uh, I guess I must be getting late here on the East Coast. Uh, Born to be breastfed, and I'm Marie Biancuta. Probably late everywhere else, too. You know, it's one of those days. Um, Wanted to tell you about how breastfeeding is also the gift you give yourself. And one of the first questions that, in fact, I just heard this the other night. I can't remember where I was, but probably at some social event. And somebody said, oh, yes, and breastfeeding makes you lose weight faster or makes you lose weight better, meaning the mother. Um, Sorry, but I really can't confirm that. I have got literally a thick folder of studies on the effects of breastfeeding on weight loss in the mother. and. I really think that that statement that it's going to make you lose weight better or faster, I don't really think that that is substantiated. Um, I would say, however, that um, there, there is there is some relationship here, and maybe we can talk about it in terms of the recovery all right, because women who breastfeed return to their general pre-pregnancy state more promptly if uh, they are breastfeeding, and they do, and this has been looked at in at least two studies that I'm aware of, they do have a lower incidence of obesity later in life. So if you want to talk about how long it takes you to get your baby weight off, I don't think that that's really a fair question or statement, but I think it is fair to say that they are less at risk for obesity later in life. Now, let me also say that I've had a lot of mothers who say, I didn't really lose my baby weight or as much of my baby weight or whatever as I wanted to until I weaned. And when I weaned, I really started taking off that uh, weight. I can't really explain that. 
um, I would say that in the early postpartum period, it's the pre- it's that oxytocin stimulates the uterus to contract, just like it did in labor. Okay, again, that uh, that uterus is contracting, and the uterus goes down to its pre-pregnant state, um, generally within about six weeks or so. And I would certainly say that you have extra tissue that has been stored during pregnancy, and that is used up in somewhat of the production of milk. So it does facilitate the pre-pregnancy weight loss, but it's not going to guarantee you, and I don't think it's going to guarantee you better or faster. I wish I could say that, but I'm still looking for that evidence. Uh, People will ask sometimes, what about... um, the risk of maternal cardiovascular disease and high cholesterol and diabetes. You know, there was one very impressive study that was done. It had over 139,000 women. Yes, I just said 139,000 women uh, who were more than 30, excuse me, more than 63 years old, and they each had one live birth at least. And the study concluded that the increased duration of lactation was associated with a lower prevalence of hypertension, that is high blood pressure, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, which is sort of a fancy name for high cholesterol, they're technically a little different, and cardiovascular disease uh, when they had at least 12 or more months of lactation sometime in their lifetime. Now, understand what that means, okay? It doesn't mean like all at once. You could have had three and three and three and three or something. I also did not get an opportunity to help you look at the amount of money that families save. I don't know about you, but I like money and I like to save money. One study that was, oh, by now, about a decade and a half ago, estimated that families who follow optimal breastfeeding experiences or practices can save twelve to $1,500 in expenditures. And that is old data. And I will tell you that classic study that they did, uh, and I'm struggling for, I want to say it was uh, Weedman, and, and that's not quite the... Uh, Weiner, it was Weiner's study, I believe, $3.6 billion could be saved in the United States if everybody was breastfeeding to meet the Healthy People 2000 goals. So there is just so much that we need to be really, really cognizant of here that this is the gift that keeps giving. And yes, you could probably argue that breastfeeding is free, but in the words of my good friend Jim Acre, Breastfeeding is priceless. So I would encourage you, understand that your baby was born to be breastfed. You can do this. And tonight is a night when I know that I can do this. Because due to you folks out there who are all listening, Voice America has asked me on to renew my contract. I will be having this show every Monday night, or I think it's going to be every Monday night, at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for the year 2014. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, 
do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.